Hello, New City. This is Ben Kant, and I'm here with Ryan Gowrich to talk about circles and to coach us through particularly the in portion of the up, in, out, and pray aspects of circles. Ryan, good to see you. Good to be with you. Good to be with you. What is this, the fourth podcast now? Yeah, something like that. Uh, And we've got a bunch more in the hopper still because we're just keeping working these out. Yeah, we're going to keep this one a little shorter today, though, I think, and just focus on the in section. Yeah, which we say we're going to do that every week, and then we get carried away. We really mean it, though, this time. So Uh, Yeah, that's right. Okay, so we we said last week that these are called three-by-five circles because uh, everything you really need can fit on a three-by-five card. So you take a three-by-five card, fold it in half, uh, one quadrant on the front is up, uh, which is how we engage with scripture. The next quadrant would be in, uh, which we're going to talk about today. And then on the back side of that, you'd have out and pray. And so in that in quadrant or that, that one uh, kind of half on the front of your three by five card, you write this. Uh, you're reflecting on your week in the presence of God and you're writing these two questions. What is a high or a gratitude and a low or a challenge from this week? That's the first question. And then when did you feel near to or far from God this week? Um, and so those two questions really are meant to cultivate uh, a space for you to bear one another's burdens, for you to, as Romans 12 says, rejoice with those who rejoice. That would be the high, the gratitude, and weep with those who weep. That would be the low, the challenge. Uh, so that there's this mutuality. Again, these are all built out of this this concept of mutual responsibility to one another. So, so we experience sharing in uh, life with one another. The Greek word koinonia, which we translate fellowship, is really this idea of sharing in life together with one another. And so really, we're, that's what we're after with, the, with that question in particular. What is a high and a low from this week? Um, it's to just begin prompting, uh, what, was, what was your life like over the last week? What, what, what did you face that you, uh, you, know, you experienced the goodness of God? And, and then where did you experience the, the curse um, of the ground and of this world and, and the brokenness that we have? Yeah. One of the great things about circles, and uh, you could probably say this in a certain way about all three spaces, congregations, communities, and circles, but is specifically in the circle space is that um, it's a place for the Word of God to become embodied. Mm. And I know, we might have mentioned this on a previous podcast, I can't remember, but it's worth repeating that um, if what we're doing on Sunday morning in the congregation space um, doesn't have an opportunity to actually uh, flesh out in some way with like souls and other people, mm-hmm. there's a, a way in which your experience of God and your own faith even could become sort of dry mm-hmm. and uh, stagnant. Mm-hmm. And so we need, that's another way of just saying we need community or circles, but we need a place where the Word of God can become embodied. Mm-hmm. And in that embodiment, um, often what comes along with that are stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. And and so as we're, uh, the, the language I like to use here is that we're opening our souls to each other in transparent trust. And those words are really important. This idea of uh, the level of transparency you're willing to invite others into is based on the level of trust you have with them and for them. And so what I would say is expect that to grow and develop and mature over the course of your circle. Uh, You won't feel and experience that level of safety and security in, in these relationships on week three as you will in month three. Um, and that's understandable. Just the more time you spend with people and the more you get to uh, character, one way to define character is is to watch somebody's choices accumulate over time. And so if I watch, if I watch the choice for somebody to be kind in the face of 
pain or for somebody to be merciful in the face of sin or if I watch somebody uh, really experience compassion from them in the midst of my own suffering, I begin to trust their character over time that that's the way they're going to react to me or respond to me if I bring pain or suffering or sin to them. And so that's when trust grows. Uh, and so what we're really inviting people to is that this is this is the space, uh, aside from maybe close confidant friendships, uh, maybe a spouse um, or a counselor, or some sort of spiritual director or something like that. This is the space in your life where you are you are divulging your soul to other people. Like you really are opening up about. Uh, and and here's what I would say: be specific. Be specific about the the specific ways in which you are tempted and uh, the specific ways in which you're experiencing uh, the thoughts that go through your mind, the lies that you might be believing, like, um, y- you know, you, you might be in a season of, of pain and suffering and you might have this refrain running through your mind uh, that something like, I-, I deserve this, like, I'm getting this right now because of a, uh, because of a mistake I made uh, a year ago. And, and you, it just might be the, you know, the background music of your mind for, for weeks until you articulate it out loud in a space like a circle where you can open up your soul in transparent trust and you can give voice to that and hear the reactions or the responses of the people that are around you that care about you mm-hmm. and hear them say, wow, that sounds, like a, that sounds like something that the evil one would love to use as a lie to kill, steal, and destroy. And just hearing you say it out loud and hearing them reflect back to you, like there's something so powerful about that. It's what John uh, the Apostle says in First John is walking in the light with one another. We experience fellowship with God and with one another. Yeah, two things came to mind, Ben, as you were speaking. Uh, the first is that um, if we want intimacy with Jesus, one of the best ways to do that is to have intimacy with his people. And so, uh, his bride, right? If you mm-hmm. want to know... Um, if I want to know you, there, a really good way that I could do that is to get to know Alana. Mm-hmm. I would learn a lot about you by mm-hmm. by knowing Alana. Um, and so your relationship and the way in which you experience Jesus will uh, either be positively or negatively impacted based on how willing you are to step into a space of intimacy and trust with mm-hmm. his bride, with his people. Yeah. So that's the first thing. The second thing is because trust sort of develops over time, I would just encourage both circle leaders and followers um, or participants in general to not judge that space too soon Mm -hmm. and to make assumptions about what it's going to be like even the following week if you've only met for a couple weeks Mm -hmm. and allow it time to allow the space to flourish and fully develop like a blossoming flower into Mm -hmm. what it's supposed to be. The early stages aren't going to look maybe like much you may experience tension in areas but let that stuff sort of play out and give it time mm-hmm. um, because it is hard for a lot of us to share uh, those sort of intimate details that's of our right. lives with others some of us for the first time mm-hmm. that's well said well and even I mean to that point uh, maybe we spend the rest of our time talking about uh, how do we get there like how does that develop and and really also what are some of the pitfalls that could be there so um one of the pitfalls is for the cerebral types, so people that would love to just talk about the Bible and uh, or love to just talk about uh, you know things abstr- in the abstract, um, you, you're going to really need to lean into your outside of your comfort zone here and and actually be willing to risk disclosing your soul to, to some people. So that's that's maybe one end of the spectrum. On the other end of the spectrum, there are people who, who can't help themselves, but you, you know, you're walking past them in the grocery store and you're, you're like, Hey, how are you? And they just start pouring out their deepest, darkest to you. And you're like, 
I don't think this is the time and a place. Right. <laughs> um, those kind of people are going to need to to recognize like this is the time and the place, but this is also the time and the place for the other three people in this circle. And so if I'm the kind of person who monopolizes my time with all of my woes and sorrows, and I don't actually hold that space for other people in a kind and generous way, I need to be conscientious of that. I need to be aware of that. And one way, great way to be aware of that is to say, hey, do you all feel like I monopolized the time in this in our circle? What a great invitation for transparent trust um, yeah. and to receive feedback that maybe you don't get in any other area of your life. And so that's those are maybe two pitfalls that are kind of equal and opposite in one sense. I think another one would be um, to to become advicey in there. So I, I really believe that there is a, a really important time for uh, encouragement, for exhortation, for rebuke even, for challenge, for um, for people to to say, hey, what you just said is actually more aligned with the kingdom of darkness than the kingdom of light. I can tell that this is a place where the evil one is at, at work in your life. That's a really hard thing to say to somebody, but it might be incredibly kind and nourishing to them to hear, oh, wow, these aren't my own thoughts that have been monopolizing me. These are thoughts that have been injected into my headspace from outside of me in what what Ephesians 6 calls uh, the flaming darts of the evil one. Um, there's something really powerful about that. And so the reason why I say that that's, a, that that's an important thing to do in this space is um, beware of just giving advice on one hand, which would be like, uh, you know, somebody shares something about their kids or somebody shares something about their, their spouse or their work or their, and then you kind of pretty quickly jump in with, you know what I do or, well, you know, you know what you could do differently here. Or, you know what, you know what I think you should try out here. It's like, those are important things. And I actually believe plenty of people have good wisdom on those things. But then the next move is probably to just curiously explore and draw out where are they really at? What are they really talking about? Um, do I really know and understand the context of this conflict with their spouse or the like what it does actually feel like for them to be out of, when their kids are out of control in that moment. Um, Cause it might not be like me. So if, if on one hand getting advicey too quick is a pitfall um, on the other side, uh, only ever always offering empathy um, is not entirely helpful. Um, and so I actually get that from a, a psychologist who, uh, says she, she wrote a book called Dopamine Nation. Um, and in that book, she actually talks about how empathy without accountability is a short-sighted strategy to help that person, to relieve that person from pain, but it doesn't actually help them in the long run. Mm. And, uh, and so there's psychologists, a guy named Ethan Cross has done research on this, that, that empathy without accountability or empathy without exhortation actually does, does long-term damage and even though it has short-term relief for the person you're offering it mm. to. So I, I really believe that people that are hyper-compassionate, super empathetic, like maybe they have the gift of mercy, as Romans uh, 12 would call it. Those kind of people lean in that way because it's it, they just, they're full of love for that person. And I would say love is a brilliant combination of grace and truth. So offer them grace. They desperately need grace. And give them truth. Say, here is the way, walk in it. Uh, because letting them just kind of stay in that space of um, sometimes self-pity, sometimes groveling, sometimes uh, they're, they're just, we all know what pain, pain has this tendency to make us navel gaze, uh, to kind of turn in on ourselves. It, make, it closes our vision. We become myopic. Um, 
one of the ways you can really help and love those people is by lifting their gaze to a horizon that's bigger and broader than the pain that is so present to them mm-hmm. right in that moment. And so empathy and exhortation. Beware of falling off the, the you know, the, Martin Luther said that, there, that many of us are like a drunk man riding a donkey. We fall off on one side only to climb back up and fall off on the other. Uh, beware of falling off the donkey on either of those sides. Only empathy without any exhortation or only exhortation without any empathy. That's another space, uh, another way to actually maximize the in portion of this space. Yeah. Well, I know we want to stick to what we said earlier about keeping this podcast within the, the 12 to 15 minute time frame. But as you were saying that, what I was thinking to myself is if I'm a leader, that sounds like, a, it sounds kind of challenging and mm-hmm. a little scary. Mm-hmm. Um, it's almost like uh, being told, I'll go back to a baseball analogy because that's what I know best. It's like, hey, um, I saw you doing this last practice or game. I need to make sure that you're this time focusing on this because I think you're gonna have better results, but also don't do that because that might not be uh, you know, the best route forward. So mm-hmm. keep that in mind when you're up there, you know, when you're swinging, just keep those two things in mind. Sounds simple, but it could, it could be kind of daunting. So as a mm-hmm. leader, I'm thinking like, well, how am I supposed to keep all this in balance? And so I think one of the best ways a leader of a circle could approach this is just to not worry about having to sort of say these things mm-hmm. that you just mentioned in order to make sure everyone's learning them. Like, mm-hmm. hey guys, uh, just so you know, we're not doing this, we are doing this. Make mm-hmm. sure you know you keep that in mind every time we meet. But just to sort of meditate on these things, internalize them, and then and seek to be an example in mm-hmm. that space. So there's nothing you have to say or memorize or do, just sort of embody these things that you know are, are good traits and characteristics mm-hmm. and a, a good way to sort of uh, come into this space and lead. And so I guess what I'm saying is try to just lead by example and allow them to follow mm-hmm. and not worry so much about um, naming these certain things mm-hmm. and then saying, make sure you master these before we can be a good circle. Mm-hmm. Eventually, and we've experienced this in our circle, um, we'll all sort of just sort of naturally fall into those categories mm-hmm. in the right way and mm-hmm. we'll, we'll move together in that space yeah. in helpful ways. And people are people like there's emotional IQ. Mm-hmm. We understand and can feel when something doesn't feel right or that wasn't the right time to say something or the right way to say something. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. I, I think that's there. right. And, and well, and what you're describing there is on a baseball team, the reason why a coach would do that is because he cares about your growth uh, as a player. And so what I'm saying is in a circle, we care about your growth as a disciple of Jesus. And so uh, there's a formula for growth that's been um, stated, which is stress plus rest equals growth. And so... Uh, I want both stress and rest in our circles. Now, when I say stress, I don't mean like, oh, I'm stressed out, I've got this thing. What I mean is something that's challenging, something that's pushing me outside of my comfort zone, something that I'm I'm having to work at, I'm having to like put some effort into. I want that in a circle. So if you're a leader listening to this and you're like, I am totally the advicey person. I realize that people have told me that before. That's great. Now you know that, lean towards empathy. Just lean in that direction. You don't have to be amazing yeah. at it, just lean that way. Um, if you're the kind of person who monopolizes time with your own woes and sorrows all the time, it's so helpful that you know that. Lean towards uh, like giving your ear to listen to others first. Right? So that's all I'm asking is why I think pitfalls or spectrums are helpful to name. Because you can identify yourself and then lean in the other direction. Lead toward the, toward the center maybe. And that can be helpful. But then the other thing, and I think this is what's so important in what you're saying is, Rest is really important. Create a gracious culture in your circle, which just looks like being willing to fail and and name it and be like, hey, you know, last week when Joe, you said this, um, 
I realized my first response to you was, I remember when I had that happen and I think this is what you could do differently. Hey, the, you know, the better circle leader that I want to be wouldn't have started that way. The better one would have been, Hey, tell me more about what's it like to be you in that moment, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and so just you, there's so much grace to try and fail. Um, and I, and I think that that's one of the challenges is like, um, we have a culture culturally speaking where you have to get things right every time always. And that's not how learning happens. Mm-hmm. And a disciple is a methetes in Greek. It's a learner. It's somebody who's trying and failing and trying again, and that there's grace to stumble and fall and get up again. Yeah. And so the last thing I want to do is I want to close by talking about this second question, which is when did you feel near to or far from God this week? Now, a lot of discipleship curriculums will have, you know, five, seven, uh, John Wesley had 22 <laughs> accountability questions. I'm a big fan of these. I think another way to say it is self-examination questions. I think self-examination is a, uh, it's a biblical concept. Um, Paul calls us to it at the end of Second Corinthians um, to, to really take, uh, you know, AA would call it, the, the 12 steps would call it a fearless moral inventory. Like, so in other words, this isn't just a Christian thing. Like it's a, you, you should do this if you want to grow as a human being. You should take account of the kind of person you are on a regular basis. So all we did was say, when did you feel near to God and far from God this week? Now, the reason why we did that is to simplify things. Um, rather than having a, a question in there about uh, gossip and money and your sex life and your thought life and anger and all these different categories that would be actually really helpful to think through, we just we want people to become more and more sensitive to the presence of God in their life um, or the felt absence of God in their life. And I'll tell you... Um, it's hard to be, uh, it's hard to be a jerk at work, and feel near to God, and so maybe if you're paying attention to the nearness of God at your workplace, you'll begin to realize, oh, I actually think I'm I'm kind of unkind to people at work. I realize I'm so committed to just getting things done that I just run roughshod over the people mm-hmm. around me. Um, or it's really hard to be um, looking at pornography on a on a regular basis and feel near to God throughout the week while you're looking at pornography. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so really what we're trying to do with this is, is the, the end game in this is we don't want, we, we, we don't want to have, uh, we want to experience unbroken nearness to God. We want to experience his unbroken presence. So what gets in the way of that? Right. And there's anything from sin to busyness to uh, exhaustion to um, anxiety to all these kind of things that can kind of get in the way of us having a felt sense of the nearness of God mm-hmm. in our lives. <clears throat> yeah, this might be. Hopefully it's not too like high or up there, but um, I, I like to think about presence and movement as it pertains to God. God is an uncreated being, and so there's no movement with Him within Him, but within us there is movement. Mm. And so all that is just to say that a lot of times when we talk about God's presence, we and say, well, I don't feel near to God this week, or I do feel near. Um, God is is always present. It's typically us who are moving in one direction or the other. <laughs> so our felt sense of His presence is either high or low, depending on what we're doing uh, in that week and how we're living our life. Like you said, it's hard to be looking at things you shouldn't be looking at mm-hmm. or um, maybe just lashing out in anger in ways that are sort of uncontrolled towards mm-hmm. people that you're in relationship with. Um, and and then do this self-examination and step into that circle space and, and, and feel like you can an- confidently answer that question that God is near mm-hmm. to you. But um, So the self-examination is so helpful because when we latch onto God's presence, we automatically then have to look at ourselves. Mm, and mm-hmm. and that's where we start to figure out what is it in our lives that really needs to be 
spoken of right now and specifically with these people. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I love that question. I would say most of our circles, Ben, maybe you would agree, circle time, uh, the last fall and this spring has been led primarily by that question because it's so simple, but it it allows for such room Mm -hmm. in conversation. And uh, it really, I think each of us have been able to pinpoint a handful Mm -hmm. of things in our own lives, depending Mm -hmm. on that week or month where we've been able to say, because of that question, Mm -hmm. I now know why I've felt this. Yeah. And uh, it's been a helpful redirection back towards the presence of God. Yeah, so well said. Well, and just in closing, um, two things. One is, uh, because you don't feel the presence of God does not, in, does not. Um, I want to be clear, that doesn't imply that you're in sin. Uh, sometimes God's, the, the, mm-hmm. the book of Psalms uses the language of God has hidden his face. Um, and for a variety of reasons, God would do that. Uh, one is to... to um, purify our hearts from lesser desires so that seeking his face is the primary controlling desire of our life, which is his end game for all of us. And so God will hide his face so that we seek his face. Um, and, and so, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you're in sin. So I want to be clear about that. And, but, but it's really helpful to discern that in community. That's why it's such a great question for a circle. It's like, Hey, I'm searching my heart. Like, I don't think there's anything that I've been doing or not doing. Like, I think I'm, I really, this is Job, right? Like I'm walking in integrity, but God still feels distant from me in this season. I don't know what to do, but it's such a gift to have people kind of uphold you in that moment and say, Hey, we're, we're praying for God to, um, to show his face, to shine his face upon you. That's the blessing, right, in, in number six. To that point, and probably in closing, um, Dane Ortland and Gentle and Lowly mm-hmm. says, if you are in Christ, you have a friend who, in your sorrow, will never lob down a pep talk from heaven. He cannot bear to hold himself at a distance. Nothing can hold him back. His heart is too bound up with yours. Mm, so good. That is true. It exactly what, specifically to what you were just saying about um, sometimes God feels distant, but it's not necessarily because you're living in sin or something like that. Mm -hmm. But you need these people in the circle to help you discover that. That's right. It's all about telling our stories rightly and helping us to see see the ways in which we're living falsely, right? Mm -hmm. To sort of uncover that when we can't do that ourselves. And as you mentioned earlier, to redirect our gaze Mm -hmm. uh, to truth and the way things really are. Yes. Yeah, and Dietrich Bonhoeffer said... um, why would I, or he says that the, that the word of Christ in the mouth of my brother or the word of Christ in the mouth of my sister is stronger than the word of Christ in my own heart. In other words, there's something about, about good news coming from outside of us that's just so indicative of the Christian religion, which is we don't search our hearts to find good news. We look outside of ourselves to find good news. And that's often in the mouth of our brother or sister who's able to speak that into our life. So next week we'll take up out and pray. And in pray, there's a practice, the third, the evening prayer, which is a prayer of examine, uh, which is what am I facing? What am I feeling? What do I want my father to do? That's a really important practice in order to uh, help bring, draw our attention back to the presence of God in day-to-day life. And so we'll take that up next week and I look forward to that conversation. Me as well. Thanks, Ben. Thank you.